we're week three of our series, Arrows. And arrows is the metaphor for children. Uh, and so if, if children are like arrows, parents are like archers, and life is like this archery range. We get that in a, in a psalm, Psalm 127, that we're going to read in a minute. But we're in week three, and we've been setting some keystone habits. A keystone habit is, is a habit that's like bigger than the other habits, that if you set that one in place, then all the other habits tend to kind of fall in line. If you don't get this keystone habit, it's going to be difficult for you. Like if you want to have a relatively less stressful morning, you have to have the keystone habit of getting up on time. You cannot fit an hour worth of responsibility into 12 minutes if you sleep in and hit that snooze button five times. You've got to have like the keystone habit of getting up at a certain time, and that helps with the other elements. The, the keystone habits we had in week one and week two were live towards the target week one. There is one target, different arrows. Our kids are completely different. My, I've got two kids, and they are completely different from one another. Live towards the target, the bullseye, the center of the target being Jesus at the center, his character, his convictions, his conduct. Yes, we want morality. Yes, we want good choices. Yes, we want good deciders to leave the home and make great decisions. But we won't really have that unless Jesus is at the center of the bullseye. The next week we talked about the name of the game is letting go. If you want to keep your kids close, you got to learn to let them go. We, we, we have so much rope that we're giving them in every decision they make. And sometimes they say, you get a lot of rope. You're so good. You were, came up room on time. You told me the truth. And then, no, you didn't tell me the truth. You didn't come home on time. You did that. And I told you not to do that. And you lose some rope. Like, there's this art because someday they're going to leave and you're going to give them all the rope. And the, if you really want to keep them close, you've got to teach them to be released. Like the archer that pulls back the arrow. There's an art of the release once we let go, it's, it, these arrows have a mind of their own, but, but, but we're doing our best to aim them in the right direction. That's today, the keystone habit that I want to offer all of us in week three of this series is set the pace. Would you say it with me? Set the pace. And so I've been giving you an acrostic of the word arrow, and we gave the first two last week. It's aim and release, and today, when we talk about setting the pace, we're going to be talking about this whole art of rhythm, the rhythm of the archer, the rhythm, the rhythm. So, we see this idea of rhythm in the same base camp scripture that we've been going to as our base camp. We're going to venture away from the base camp and look at some different scriptures today. But the base camp where we're setting it up is in Psalm 127. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote this and one other psalm. And in those words, he says it like this. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain, meaning that there's just so much that we can do. If we don't put Jesus in the middle of it, there's a lot of just vain attempts at life. God is wanting to partner with us in our parenting. The next scripture, we have not talked about this one yet, but verse 2 of this, of this passage, it says it like this. It says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. 
Now, that's a rhythmic, almost riddle-sounding little scripture. But it's vain for you to rise up early. It's vain for you to sit up late. And I don't mean vain like, you know, wearing cool sunglasses inside the building, you know, when you don't have cataract issues. Like, that's, that's, vain. that's a different kind of vain. It, it's vain. Let me ask you this. How many of you would say, I'm an early bird? I'm an early bird. Very good, very good. The way God intended it. And, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. How many, how many of you would say, I'm a night owl? Give me the night. The night is young. Of course, yes, yes. So here's what this scripture is saying. Good news, good news. God designed some of us to be early birds, and God designed some of us to be night owls. That's okay. What God didn't design us to do is be early birds and night owls at the same time. He didn't design us to burn every minute of every day, to go at the limits, to go red line on the RPMs of life. He said, it's okay to be an early bird. It's okay to be a night owl. But if you try and do both, you will eat the bread of sorrows. I don't know. That's not a good sounding. I, I like sourdough, but sorrow dough, I don't know. Like sorrow bread, like you eat the bread of sorrows, that's pretty rough. You're not going to really enjoy life if you can't find the right rhythm. Now, some of you early birds, I mean, the alarm goes off and you kiss the clock. You're like, oh. And you are just excited. You, you wake up. It's going to be a beautiful day. I'm an early bird. Uh, you, you, you get up singing. It's a beautiful morning. Oh. Think I'll go outside for a while. <laughs> anyway, so on my iPhone, I set that as my alarm. And so when my alarm went off in the morning for, for two, two days, uh, it, it went, it's beautiful. And on day two, my loving wife said in a very loving voice, why do you have that stupid, idiotic song playing at 5.15 in the morning? I said, oh, good morning, babe. Good morning. Turn it off. <laughs> and some of you night owls, it's like, man, you, you get up, you're in your rhythm late at night, and before you know it, it is, it is like, it is late into the night. Oh, Netflix did it to me again. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. You're up. The other day, I, I got into this series about this documentary on this murder. And my wife gets up to get a drink of water out of the, out of the fridge at 3.30 in the morning. And she, she, she walks into the living room. And I'm sitting on the edge of my seat like this. And I'm watching. It's on a Friday. And this is on a Saturday morning. She goes, what are you, what are you doing? I was like, I gotta watch for the trial. It's crazy. Have you just, do you wanna come watch? She goes, shut up. I'm not watching anything with you. Just, you, you get stuck. I, I tend to be a little ambidextrous. I am an early bird, but man, I stay up late too. And I'm gonna tell you, that's not a good rhythm for my life. You've gotta figure out how to find the right biblical rhythm. There is a natural rhythm. In fact, the Bible shows us there's a natural, write this down, there's a natural built-in rhythm of life we fight against to our own peril. In the day and age of a go, 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 go culture, we have a hard time finding the right rhythm in different realities of what God is doing. 
of how God called us to live our life, how he showed us to model a biblical rhythm. So you can be up early, you can be up late, but if you do both, you know you've heard like the burning, burning, the, uh, burning the candle at both ends, or you might be burning your end with both candles, I don't know. But regardless, that's just gonna end with somebody getting burned. So there's a natural built-in rhythm. I wanna give you just a few rhythms as families. And whether you're parents or whether you're single, whether you got kids or no kids, whether you're a grandparent, this is good stuff for conversation with other people because whether, whether you're parenting or whether you're in college and you're just, you're just getting ready to get into a new chapter of your life, there is some critical information here that can be applied whether you're an archer or whether you're an arrow. Okay, so let's talk about number one, and it's the rhythm of schedule. Our calendar, how we live every day. Now, I'm going to put something on the screen in just a second, and we're going to say it out loud together. Ready? With ro robust energy. Here we go. Let's say it. I am in charge of my calendar. And some of you whispered, I am in charge of my calendar. Oh, shut up. You don't understand. You don't understand my job. You don't understand my boss. You don't understand my life. My life is crazy. I am crazy busy. In fact, the words crazy busy have become like a merit badge. Have you noticed this? And I've been guilty of it too. And I don't want us to be guilty of this. Okay, Timber Creek, I, I don't want you to be guilty of this. Because we tend to use crazy busyness of life as a way to somehow gauge effectiveness or goodness in our life. Like when someone says, man, how's the job? Oh, it's so busy. We think if we were to say, you know what, I'm really living in margin and I'm able to have some free time with my family, like that would be a less important thing to say. But like it, it almost validates us when we say, man, I'm spinning plates like crazy. I'm just spinning plates. It's crazy busy. Life is it like, man, wheels off. I just can't get a break. And sometimes that's just being vulnerable with someone. Most of the time we say that to, to, to inadvertently have someone say, man, Hang in there because we need the affirmation because we weren't designed to live like that. We weren't designed to be crazy, breakneck, RPM, redline speed. That, that's, that's, we were designed with space and boundaries. I've, I've said this before, but you see the edge of this stage. That the edge of the stage is a boundary for me. And the closer I get to the boundary, the limit of the space I have up here the more focused I have to be, not on what I'm saying, but where I'm standing. When I lose boundary, I have to start thinking more about where I am than what I'm doing, and it affects all, it, it causes stress. You're stressed. I can't hardly talk right now. And the more I get on the red line, and then I talk about it. Oh, man, I'm just so crazy busy. I'm just living on the edge. Just things that, like, this is not the way you're designed to live. On the edge. You're not designed to live like this. Your schedule is not designed to, to look like this. I'm pretty proud of myself almost being all the way out of this thing. You got to get some margin in your life. Now, how do you get the margin? Man, I just got to find the time. Write this down. You will not find time. You won't find time. <laughs> oh, here's an extra three hours. You don't find time. You must make time. You must make the time. You must grab time by the nap of the neck and tell it where to go. You cannot let time grab you by the nap of the neck and tell you where to go. That's how people do with their time. It's how people do with their finances. 
There's more month left at the end of the money, and I just don't know where it all went. As though your dollar just went, I'm going to go check out Best Buy over here. Like, we got to know where we're spending our time in order to know if we're spending our time wisely. The same way, if you don't operate with a, with, with, a, with a budget of your finances and don't know where your money goes, you won't ever really be able to take ownership of your finances. If you don't, if it's not about finding it, it's about making the time. Now, here's the thing about making the time. You don't know my calendar. You have the same 168 hours that Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr. had. You have the same 168 hours that Albert Einstein had. You have the same 168 hours that I have and your neighbor has. So, so you make time within that 168 and I'm telling you, we got to set our clocks to the rhythm that God shows us in the word, set our clocks and set our souls to that rhythm. And you got to make the time. Now, what were we making the time for? Making time for more, man, if I could just make time for more Netflix. If I could just make more time to work on my Fortnite dances that I, oh, kids these days, man, it is awesome. It is crazy. Addiction at a whole nother level with Fortnite. You got to put the most important things, the most important things. Time with God. I just, I just was talking with a, a, a new friend I met at Starbucks just yesterday. And they were saying, hey, uh, you're a pastor. I, I've been struggling with time uh, with God. And I said, it's funny that you say that. I'm actually talking about that this Sunday. He said, how do I? I said, well, it's not about like. Find it, you got to make that time. You got to make it priority. You got to put it. Look, look at what the scripture says, Psalm 5.3. My voice you shall hear in the morning. Oh, Lord, in the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. It was a priority of King David. In the morning. Now, some of you, you know, early birds are like, amen. And your night owls are like, I thought you just said, I thought, I'm, not an, I'm not an early bird. It's hard to get up in the morning. 12.01 is the morning. 1201's the morning. You're good. You're good. So whether it's late, 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 late at night, that's actually early, early, early in the morning, or whether it's early in the morning, you're okay whether you're a night owl or early bird. But you got to put the right things in the right order, the first things first. So here are the two questions I think we have to ask ourselves continually when it comes to our schedule. Number one is this. What do I want to add that I can't? When I think of the plates that are spinning, when I think of the time in my day, what do I want to add? I want to, man, I want to spend more time exercising. I want to spend time with God. I, I want us to find time to sit down and have a meal as a family together. I, I would like for us to, to be able to start uh, the morning in the right way and maybe have breakfast. Or I, I do want to have just like a prayer with the kids at night. I, man, I would like to be able to sit down and, and just have a little me time and, and watch my, my little show for a while. I'd like to add some of that. I, I'd like to be able to add this or that or the other. You fill in the blank. What do you want to add that you feel like you can't? Because here's how you add what you can't right now. And it's the second question. You have to answer this question. What must I decrease or eliminate so I can? Because it means that you, you, there are things that take your time, so can you decrease it or eliminate it? See, sometimes it's not about like removing that entire sport. It just may be that you only play a certain season of ball. Or it may be that, that you, you do fantasy, fantasy uh, uh, hockey league and fantasy soccer league and fantasy basketball league and fantasy football league, but you're not going to do the fantasy crochet league. 
Like you got to eliminate, you got to decrease something. So what can I decrease or eliminate? Do I have to be at the deer lease this many times in a week? <laughs> Somebody said, yes, yes, you do. If you, if you really want to, you really want to get that, that buck. Yeah. Like, so we have a built-in rhythm that we ignore at our own peril. We fight against it at our own peril. You know, some of the first things to go is, is gathering together like this on a weekend because many people work Monday through Friday and then they add on a Saturday with an extra shift or you're Monday through Saturday. Some even have to work on Sunday because they work in a, in a business that requires Sunday work. And, 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 and so like, it's, 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 it's like one of my relatives, they, they work on Sundays. They make it a priority to be at an early service, but they work just about every single Sunday before noon. But they make a priority. They find Now, a lot of people say, man, I have to go in at noon, so I, I'm just going to take that time I'm resting. So what happens is we eliminate or decrease church time for rest time. And I'm saying, okay, you're going to give and you're going to take time in the morning to do this or do that or the other and not spend time with God. Like you're going to choose how you spend your time. And let me tell you this. Your life equals the way you spent your time. Your life equals the way you spent your time. So, so what I'm inviting you to do is just evaluate how you're spending time. And you might be thinking about all the things you'd like to change, and this comes to mind right here. I would have to change my whole life. And what I'm going to say to you is, yeah, maybe. Because really, what is life when we kick against the rhythm that God has set for us? What is life? Are you really going to get everything out of life that you think you're going to get? If we're trying to, to march to the beat of a drummer who isn't God. Maybe there are some things you need to change. Man, my job just never lets me get to church. I, I'm just saying, could it be that it's time to sit down and have a conversation with your employer on that? I value this job, but I also value my church time. Is, is it time to, to consider a different career? If it means I just can't be with my kids, yeah, I provide for them. They know that I have to work this hard job because I never get to see them, but I'm providing for them. And at least they know I'm providing. But I'm telling you that there's something about time, eye-to-eye time. What do you have to change? This isn't a, a, a sermon designed to uh, stand on this uh, proverbial soapbox and tell Like, I'm trying to figure this stupid thing out myself. Like, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, but I'm also, I got like, I got one foot in, 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 the, in the practice field too, because this is an elusive target. This, this is hard for the family that you want to provide for your kids, you want to do things with your kids, you want to make sure that you got, like, you've got to have the right rhythm. Let me tell you one thing I'm trying to do lately is end a phone call, any text messages or checking of email by the time I walk into the door in the evening. If I'm on the phone trying to take care of something and I walk through the door, my kids are already there and Janet's already there or I'm beating Janet to the house and I'm trying to walk in and I'm, I'm still on business, I've all of a sudden set the tone for the whole house. And I wanna invite you moms, dads, when you get home or when your kids get home or however this works in your pattern that we, we remember, we think it through and I say, okay, I turn off the phone or I, I, I stop the conversation. I'm in the car and I think, okay, I need to give my wife and my kids my best. I need to give them my best focus. 
And that helps me set the tone of what that schedule might even look like in the house that night of the time. And it may just be getting them there and getting them dressed for the ball field because we're going to have dinner on the bleachers. But nevertheless, it's setting the tone of, of recognizing the speed at which we're running and making the most of our time. Number two, rhythm of discipline. Rhythm of discipline. All the teenagers in the house went, and all the parents in the house said, praise God. We're going to talk about discipline. Look at this scripture, Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Now, this is a symbolic reality of this rod, the spanking of a child, the disciplining. We're not talking about punishing kids for doing wrong. Punishment was taken on Jesus on the cross. Punishment is just is, is hurting someone for, 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 for something they did. Discipline is, is raising up, teaching, guiding, training. There's, an, there's, a, there's a, something beyond the discipline, something beyond the correction that we're aiming towards. If we're just punishing our kids because we're mad. So like if you, if you, if you, if you discipline your kids because you're mad at them because they didn't do what you said. Or you're upset that they didn't listen to you and you're mad about it. But yet they talk back like to their mom. And so out of anger you discipline. You're, you're just as much in the wrong disciplining in that wrong emotion as they were responding to their mom in the wrong emotion. You see how that you see how that works? And, and, and if, if, we, if we discipline out of being mad at our kids, when it comes time for them to do something that they regret and they want to come clean to you, if all they remember is you're just going to get really, really mad, then I may not actually tell you about this anymore. Now, if I discipline... I'm going to show love through that process. Look at Proverbs 3.12, another scripture. The Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. He doesn't discipline the, the son that he's, he's sick of. You dis, you may, you know, you may, that is, you're disgusting. You made me sick the way you acted there. Like, we can't discipline out of that. We discipline out of love. So we discipline out of love that they stole the cookie out of the cookie jar because we don't want to be disciplining out of love at 17, you know, getting them out of, out of, out of out, you know, paying for their bond because they're stealing cars. Like, like we, we've got to start small and build up because we discipline those we love. And you know what? I think that sometimes, like in first service, I said, he that spares the rod, you know, spoils the child. And someone went, hey, man, and, 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 and that's okay. But what I want to say to you is, we, we've kind of lost a little bit of the balance here. Uh, Proverbs gives us another scripture that helps balance this out. Chasing your son while there's hope, but don't set your heart on his destruction. So there's a difference between disciplining for where we need to go versus just, I'm, I'm going, you are going to obey me whether you like it or not. You know, and there's this extreme of parenting these days when it comes to like um, the, the physical discipline, like a spanking. And, and there's some like, you know, well, we just use our words. We just use our words. We just use our words. And, just, and, and I, I know he burned the house down, but just we just we use our words. We use our words. And, and then you've got parents over here, and it's like, you know, uh, do you want your teeth in your mouth or in your pocket, boy? And... and <laughs> My dad may or may have not said that three or four hundred times. But my dad wasn't like, you know, 
beaten me senseless. He wasn't here at the extreme. He was like, he was like here. And, and no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, my, my, my parents, I think, figured out uh, with three kids how to balance. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Long story short, write this down. Without discipline, kids become undisciplined. So like the undisciplined child that won't obey is the same kid that's going to be 22 interviewing for that job and can't stop looking at their phone in the middle of the interview. Like they become undisciplined. Do you know what happens to un undisciplined children? They become undisciplined adults. <laughs> that's what, and then you have to work with them. And you're like, I oh, know, you are one too, some of you. Write this one down. Undiscipline, discipline is an unpleasant process. It's not fun. Nobody's like, you know, kids don't say, <laughs> spank me. Like, like they, nobody loves discipline. It's an unpleasant process, but it's towards a better outcome. And it's not just to discipline our kids. It's like the discipline of starting small, running your miles to get to a larger number to where you can finally hit that half marathon or marathon. It takes discipline to get to where you want to go. It's a better outcome, but it is unpleasant process in real time. And I also want to say to you this one. Without follow-through, they'll walk all over you. That's why he says, that's why he says, when you discipline, you spare the rod, you, you, you spoil the child, but he who loves their children will discipline them promptly. In other words, don't hold something over here that they did wrong, and then three weeks later when you actually have the energy, like, like, like it's going to be really inconvenient for you to ground them from their car, so you just let it go, because I, mean, I don't want to take them to school all week. But then two weeks later, you got a little bit more time, like you're grounded from the car because of what you did three weeks ago, you know you did it. Like, like you, need to, you need to attach the issue and the discipline together, not throw it out here randomly out here because you just all of a sudden decided to bring it up. Also, that helps them become older and not hash out other things that like their spouse did three months ago and adding that on to the issues. Are you following me? It's like without following through the walk all over you, it's like, it's like why counting to three doesn't, it works until you have to start counting to five. And then, it, and then it works until you're counting to like some of you are counting to 42. So help me, 41 and a half. And like if we don't follow through, they'll walk all over you. You've got to set the tone. Not, not, that, not that we're afraid of discipline, but that we are aware that there will be discipline. Again, remember, different arrows, one target. So the way my mom and dad disciplined me, they disciplined my brother a little differently. And then my, the young, the young, of course, the youngest always gets like less discipline. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. All the younger children, all the youngest in the family are like, oh, that's not true. All the older and middle child are like, you know, no, the middle child is just, is just upset about everything. But, but the, the older one's like, yeah, look, dude, listen to me. I, for my first car at 16 years old, I got a 1987 Ford Aerostar minivan. With 200,000 miles, it died every time I turned left. 
Every time I turned left at a green arrow, I had to throw it into neutral. Safety was the number one concern of my family, apparently. I had to throw it into neutral, restart it, put it back into drive, and go along. My sister gets like this really cool two-door Toyota Solara Coupe. I'm driving a minivan. Like, I, like, like it was not good. Wasn't, I made the best of it, took out the seats in the back, put some bean bags in there, some subwoofers, a little party wagon is what it was, in a good way, don't, don't get your minds off on the wrong thing, but different arrows, what am I talking about? Different arrows, one target, look, 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 look. for my kids, for my kids, one of them, if I, just, if I just look at them, tears will well up, one of them comes say, hey, I need to tell you something. I, I, did, I did something wrong. Let's talk about it. The other one, <laughs> like, bring it. Bring it. Let's just see how you could do it. What? You, you, yeah, I'm on my phone, but you're on the phone too. I know you told me to get off the Xbox, but yeah, I, uh, like I saw you texting and driving the other day. Boy, uh, child, I'm a, I'm a, do you want your teeth in your mouth or in your pocket? You know. Different arrows, one target. We got to find the rhythm of discipline. Like some things, guys, let it go. Like, let it go. Show your kids some grace, but know when to show grace and when not to show grace. Grace is a part of the goodness of God, and it needs to be the goodness of your parenting. Oh, stay in line. It's going to be straight up boot camp in this place. Lighten up. But like for the other person, it's like, oh, you know, they killed two people. Boys will be boys. Like, <laughs> like get some, like, take them, send them to boot camp, okay? Number three. Rhythm of rest, rhythm of rest. We are going, 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 and an early bird has got to know when to put it down and when to get up. A, a night owl needs to know when to rest. It's another merit badge. It's another merit badge. Man, I got this many weeks of vacation, but I'm only able to use like three days. We think that's good? You think that's good? And employers, like, they think that's good? You're going to wear out your people. You're going to wear them out. They need to take time off. Somebody like, talk to my boss, please. Talk to him. I mean, Scripture's very clear in Ecclesiastes 10. A dull axe requires great strength. So if you're going and going and going, guess whose axe is dull? Yours. Mine. And when our axe is dull, what the kind of projects that we could easily cut through, because the axe is dull. Man, we should have been able to read through that and sent that report in, but like, wonder what's going on on Facebook over here. Like, rhythm of rest. So, so the Bible says, be wise, go back. Be wise and sharpen the blade. Be wise and sharpen the blade. And so for some of us, the way we sharpen the blade is another leadership development conference. And that's okay. 
you need to be sharpening your mind, sharpening your skill set. But one of the things that we undervalue that we need to stop undervaluing is time to sharpen the blade with rest. Just the only way the axe can be sharpened is to stop cutting down trees. Step away from the forest. Whatever it sounds like. And we sharpen the blade by resting. You know, the Israelites, as they were coming out of bondage in Egypt, God gave them directions. All they knew was the life of a slave. It was 168 hours a week. And they were living hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth. And when they go out into the wilderness and get ready to go to the promised land, he says, listen, listen, listen. When you make your crops and when you harvest your crops, save the edges of your fields. Don't mow to the edge of your field. He says, save that for the poor because they're going to need, they can come in after you and work. He gives them a work ethic. You don't just give it to them, but they come in, they work, and they get the corners. And you're helping your society by not, not harvesting all the edges of your crops. It's with finances. It's with your time. It's in your resting. We have to, we, we got to save the edges of our lives in order to not feel like we have to work from hand to mouth, from hand to mouth. Otherwise, we won't, otherwise we'll be living with a dull blade, a dull axe. You, you need to take time. If, you, if you've been thinking, well, no, man, this, this company, if I, if I leave, it won't, like, you, you've got to find time to rest. I, I've got to find time to rest. My family, we, we've got to find time to rest. The coach of the U.S. archery team, Kesick Lee, Coach Kesick Lee, he wrote about uh, breathing. Like you got to have breathing room in your life, but he wrote about breathing when it comes to archery. And I uh, found this on a website early this morning. L- look at this. Look at this uh, quote from the U.S. archery Olympic team coach. Here he goes. Here's what he says: The correct method of breathing is an essential part of the archer's system of control. Like you feel like your life's out of control, maybe you're not breathing. Maybe, you're not ha- maybe you don't have enough limit between the edge of your stage. Most archers know less about the proper method of breath control than any of the other fundamentals. So when we think our axe is dull, what we do is we try and fix our stance and we swing harder. Or we go to a different tree. Or we, we, we try, instead of going to the actual fundamental of sharpening or breath control he's talking about, most archers know less about the proper method of breath control than any other fundamentals. Therefore, the archer who understands their breathing and its impact on performance is going to be the most what? So it's not just getting little Jimmy into all the curricul- extracurricular activities for him to be the most successful. What seems foreign to us and unconventional is that your kids need just as much time resting and not doing some stuff than they need time filling out scholarship applications. They've got to learn that art too. He goes in mind, he goes forward and says, bear in mind, an anxious mind cannot exist in a relaxed body or a quiet mind cannot exist in a tense Body, thoughts associated with worry and anxiety affect heart rate, muscle tension, and breathing rate. If you're walking around worried all the time, it's going to affect your rest. Worried about your kids, he shows us a rhythm built in 
to life. He says this change in muscle tension and breathing rate will have a negative effect if you're worried and stressed out all the time. It'll have a negative effect on an archer's fine motor, motor coordination, focus, center of gravity, and timing, all critical components in archery. In other words, mom and dad, just mom, just dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, you name it, listen to me. If you can't show your kids how to breathe and rest, it's going to affect your release. It's going to affect how they live life. It's going to affect how they, what they think is most important. Are you with me this morning? I mean, you may not get anything out of this, but I'm, but, but I'm getting stuff off my chest. Like, I got stuff to do. So let me finish with this idea of the daily rhythm. What if we could find some, some anchor points to a daily rhythm that may look a little different for your family because you have different age kids or different responsibilities or your job is different. Your job is four on, three off, or your job is seven on, seven on, or your job is seven on, seven on, seven on. Or regardless of what you're doing right now, whether your kids are old and out of the house, or whether you're just little little babies, like the, like the little one-day-old that I prayed over last night in the hospital. And I said to them, oh, before you know it, it's not going to be day two, it's going to be year two. Before you know it, it's like before you know it, they're going to be running around like they're barely, they're just, just, just coming out being circumcised. And now they're going to, before you know it, they're going to be running around. Run around like crazy. Cherish those moments. So what, what, what if we could figure out a daily rhythm and, and where's the best place we could look? Dr. Phil? No. How about the word of God? So Deuteronomy chapter 6, God says to Moses, they've been 40 years in the wilderness. They're about ready to go into the promised land. And Moses says, tell them this. So Moses, uh, God says, Moses, tell him this. And Moses says, here's what we got to do when we go in there. And he basically says, because when you get in there, you're going to have wells you didn't dig and houses you didn't build and uh, uh, riches that you didn't earn. Like that you're going to inherit some stuff. And when that happens, you need to remember your roots. You need to remember where you came from. You need to remember who provided that for you. And he says, so here's what you got to do. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. It's hard to love them with all our strength if we're running into a dull axe. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts, not just on your lips, not just on Sunday morning, not just on your worship guide in here. He says, impress them on your children. Oh, you might ought to think about going to church. Impress them on your children. This is what we do as a family. When you're out of the house making your own decisions, you're going to make your own decisions when you're out of the house. But until then... Get in the car. We're going to 11 o'clock service because we're night owls. If we were early birds, we'd go to the first service. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit, sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, most everybody sits at home at some point. Most everybody drives along the road or walks along the road. Most everybody in this room lies down at some point, and most everybody gets up at some point. So those are some, like four anchors of a daily rhythm that we can have in our family. And in those four anchors, okay, let's take a look. There are different communication responsibilities, role responsibilities, and goals that we want to see accomplished. Four years ago in a little series I called American Crime, 
crimes against the family, I laid out this pattern. It's something we use in some of our KidWorks curriculum uh, that, that, we, that we use over in, uh, in the KidWorks Center. But, but in, in this ride time, which is your, your walk along the side of the road, your meal time, that's when you sit down at home, your morning time, that's when you get up, and bedtime, that's when you go to sleep, God shows us a rhythm that he shows the Israelites that they ought to follow. And in these moments, we have an opportunity not to just use the exact same thing every single time. Like we have a diverse opportunity to, to connect with our kids in communication, in the role we have as a parent, and in the goal we're trying to accomplish. So let's talk about communication. I want you to write these things down if you can. At ride time, the communication is casual. Hanging out, let's get in the car, let's go to school. Hey, we're getting in the car, we're going to play, uh, I'm going on a picnic, I'm going to bring, you know, whatever. Like, like casual, hangout, conversation. You might listen to Kid Craddock. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, no, we just listen to Adrian Rogers in our house, bless God. But you might listen to Kid Craddock in the morning and beat at the bank. Or, just me? Okay. So, so you, you, you might do that, or you might have a conversation, you might talk, you might laugh, you might sing a song together. It was on the ride to school one morning that, that I leaned down to grab my phone, and it had fallen on the, on the floorboard. I kind of swerved a little bit. I passed a cop on the side of the road, police officer, and, and my daughter said, oh, you're going to get stopped by the cops if you, you look like you're drunk driving. And I said, oh, well, hopefully they, they would know that once they, and I would just tell them. He said, well, how would they know that you weren't drunk? And I said, well, if, like if they stopped me, there's some tests, you know, maybe have me walk in a straight line or or put, put my finger to my nose, or look at me, or smell me, or whatever. Maybe the ABC's backwards, and my, and my daughter says, ABC's backwards? I don't know the ABC's backwards. I'm, I, what if I get stopped? And so as a good dad, I taught her an important lesson. Taught her how to say the ABC's backwards. You know, it's not like, well, don't, you know, don't drink. <laughs> well, let me tell you the ABC's backwards. Here we go. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-M-L-K. Anyway, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. So we learned that day the backwards ABCs. You're welcome, America. <laughs> Casual conversation is in, in the car. You know, and you know why you don't have like important, really deep conversation in the car? Because you're not even looking at them in the eyes. I mean, you might say on occasion, look at me in the eyes in the rearview mirror. You know, you might say, that, look at me in the eyes. But like there's not, that's not the place for intimate conversation. It's time for just being together. Mealtime is more of a formal discussion where we sit down and we take that time and we talk about stuff. We talk about grades. We talk about where we're headed. We talk about life. We talk about uh, what's going on in school. We talk about what's happening next. We talk about a couple weeks. We ask questions. You know, uh, couples that go on dates, I encourage you to get on the app and go to the great dates. There's some great questions that we just over mealtime. You can ask questions and it's just formal discussion. Morning time. It's not the time for formal discussion. They're just getting up. It is the time for encouragement. It's the, it's the time for encouragement. When, when I was a kid, my mom would come into the room and, would, and it, would, it would sing this little song. Wake up, little Susie, wake up. Wake up. And I, I always thought that was a little weird. Like, like wake up, little Susie. But, but anyway, like, give me a complex. You know, she just it's going to be a great day. And when I'm a kid, when I was a little kid, I was like, hey, mommy, I'm so excited. I want to play. But when you turn like eight, you're like, please don't sing. <laughs> you know, we did exactly. And so morning time, like we, 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 we like to, 
to do that too uh, and, 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 and have this like uh, song that we would sing our kids and, and we sang it to Sage and Graham. We don't sing it anymore. They're old enough that now they're like, give me in five more minutes, you know. But we used to, we'd, we'd get both of them and, and I'd just start doing a little massage on their back to the rhythm of the song. And we would sing this little song. It was an old worship song, but we changed the words. And it was a, I love you, 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 Sage. I love you, 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 Sage. Since you have come into your mommy and daddy's life, we love you more every day. I love you, 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 Sage. And then when Graham is born, it was like, I love you, 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 Sage. And Graham, I love you, I love you. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. So we say, we love you more every day. I love you, I love you. We love you, Sage and Graham. And then I do a little drum solo. Then I'd say, okay, guys, time to get up. Now listen, mommy and daddy love you, but nobody will ever, ever love you like Jesus loves you. Get your butts out of bed. We got to be in the car 710. Let's go. <laughs> got to encourage. Do you think our kids need encouragement in the day and age we live where kids are taking their own lives because of the negative comments of bullies in school? Your kids need to wake up knowing that somebody in their life believes in them, that sees goodness in them and doesn't just see it, says it. See the potential in your kids, but don't just see it. you got to say what you see. Say what you see to your kids. And then bedtime is more intimate conversation. Questions that just kind of come up. And, you know, I like what T.D. Jake says about intimacy. Intimacy is into me see. It's a little bit deeper layer of conversation, more, more personal. The role that we live in during these times are like this. For ride time, it's a friend. Now, some parents, they struggle with just being a friend. If you're a friend and not a parent to your kid, if you're only a friend, when you're older, they won't respect you like you should be respected. I will tell you, if you parent but you can be a friend in seasons and moments like this, you'll be best friends with your kids when they're out of the house. That's a beautiful thing. But if we parent now, if we just friend them now, you know, what do you like to do? I like to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's wear matching sweatpants that say juicy on this side. She's like 11 years old and mom and, <laughs> I, what am I talking about? I gotta move on. just want to be in my daughter's life. <laughs> oh, God. Next one. Teacher, <laughs> mealtime. You're, you're more of like teaching them, and it's talking, it's formal discussion. Hey, this is what we value, or I know we said we were going we to, we need to do this. Here's why we said we need to do that. No, no, this is why we're not going to do that today. Okay, Th there's time for that to be teacher. If you're always a teacher, they're never going to see the friend side. If you're always a friend side, they're never going to see the teaching side. Morning time, you are a coach. I'm not talking about put the hat on and, and blow a whistle when you walk in the room. Hup, two, three, four. But again, it's, it's pulling out the goodness of them. And then bedtime, there's more counselor. You're, you're hearing and you're listening. 
Oh, that our kids would know we will listen to them when they talk. We'll listen to them. And then the goal of these is in bed, in ride time, you're just interpreting life together. You're interpreting life like, like you just, you're understanding their lingo. What does that mean when you say that on text? And oh, that's what it means. That's ridiculous. And you're just, you're interpreting, you're interpreting life. Like my dad had some ride time with me. And, and, and when I was a kid, mom would say, hey, supper's almost ready. Dad would say, hey, we're going to go to Food for Less and get the dinner rolls. We'll be back in about 15 minutes. And I remember, I remember one time my mom said, oh, we have dinner rolls already. That's okay. We're going to get some dinner rolls. And my dad gets me in the car, and he's like, so, son, I want to talk to you about pornography. And I'm like, I thought we were just going to get dinner rolls, you know. But, you know, he had to start the conversation. When I was younger, I would start the conversation. I remember in second grade, James came out of the bathroom, and we were sitting in Mrs. Hudson's class. And James came over to me and said, somebody wrote the F word on the bathroom stall. I said, what? They wrote F on the bathroom stall. Forgiveness. What did you think I was talking about? No. Yeah. No. The F word. I said, they wrote on the bathroom stall. I said, they wrote on the bathroom stall? He said, yes, they wrote on the bathroom stall. I said, what does mean? He says, what do, you, what do you mean what does mean? It means, I know, but I don't know what means. And James in second grade is, I don't know what means either, but I know it's really, really bad. So on the way to school the next day, I said, dad, what does mean? That was a casual conversation. <laughs> he says, what do you mean, what does mean? And I'm gonna, <laughs> he says, oh, well, <laughs> I think he started speaking in tongues. I think that's all he did. I just, oh, God. <laughs> we're interpreting life. So the, next, so the next time as a teenager, my dad says, hey, we're gonna, we're, you know what? We're going to run and we're going to grab a movie for afterwards. Jeremy, why don't you come with me? Oh, sex talk. Here we go. But, you know, he was talking to me in a day and age where the only place I could get pornography was at a gas station. Parents, like it's just, it's in our Xboxes and in our phones and it's just, it's just everywhere. And we have to start having, I, oh, I thank my dad for talking to me about stuff that was un, no doubt uncomfortable for him. Look, I got a 10-year-old in the house. I was just thinking as during worship, I know we're supposed to be worshiping God. I had a lot on my mind, but I'm thinking, man, I, I really need to start having some very more, more, much more poignant conversations with my 10-year-old. So I'm thankful for what my dad talked to me young because it helped start an accountability process in my life that if not checked on, if not held accountable could have ran wild and, and I think that's probably why a lot of guys that struggle that maybe they didn't have some conversations maybe it's also just because it's very very addicting both of those are issues we gotta like spend some time interpreting life with our kids I, I wonder and, and just just hear me on this 
I wonder if kids that for so long have tried to, to hide feelings because maybe of, of cultural, um, cultural intolerances, and now I believe, let's, let's talk about same-sex attraction. Okay, let's just put that out on the table. For a long time, the cultural lean was same-sex attraction was not tolerated. Okay? So people would hold some thoughts that they'd have, some same-sex attraction. They wouldn't dare tell anybody for the backlash. So finally they have, and, and we, 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 we honor them when they finally had the ability to come out. Well, shame on us for not taking the opportunity to provide a space where they could talk. Now, the flip side is now where it's so embraced that anybody that ever has a thought can automatically quickly just say, oh, I must be gay. Like an attraction is an attraction. And because of all kinds of things that happen in our lives, we can think a whole lot of different things. And so I'm saying, like, both extremes need to be, like, what, what if an eight-year-old comes to you and says, hey, like, they won't ever do that unless we're able to, like, show them that there's time for talk. And in ride time is probably not that time. Meal time, we're establishing values, right? In morning time, we're establishing purpose. But in those moments of, like, counseling and intimate conversation we want to provide also opportunity where we can build trust and intimacy I'm scared about failing my class I don't know what to do with how I feel about this this person this person dumped my chocolate milk I didn't spill my chocolate milk on me the person dumped the chocolate milk on me but I'm afraid he's going to he's going to hurt me in class if I tell somebody and he keeps doing that and like intimate conversations don't accidentally happen we need to create the space parents not always being a friend not always being a teacher not always being a coach not always being a counselor but being a parent because <laughs> that's what parents do we set the rhythm, we set the pace. I want to finish with this scripture. I know I've gone long. Thank you for your patience. In the book of 1 Kings, I'm going to pray this scripture over every family. And so I want to invite you just to maybe just close your eyes, bow your heads. Blessed be God who has given peace to his people Israel just as he said he'd do. Not one of all those good and wonderful words that he spoke through Moses has misfired. Lord, I thank you that all your good words do not misfire. They don't backfire. We can trust your words. God, help us to instill your words into our kids, our families. May God, our very own God, continue to be with us just as he was with our ancestors. May he never give up and walk out on us. Lord, thank you that when other people in this life have walked out, you never walk out we don't ever have to wonder even though sometimes we do but that's our stinking thinking we don't we don't ever have to wonder is God ever gonna come help me and rescue me or be back or be love me like God you are faithful 
May he keep us centered and devoted to him, following the life path he has cleared, watching the signposts, walking at the pace and rhythms he laid down for our ancestors. If you want to follow in the pace and the rhythm of God in your family, would you just put a hand up? Me too. Father, I pray for every family represented, some that have kids outside the home now, some that are just now, they got babies, some that uh, they, they, they wanting to have children, but it's, it's just not happened yet. All of us, Lord, help us to be your children first. And then God, may we follow the rhythms of life you've created for us. What kind of tragedy would it be, Lord, to march to the beat of someone who didn't create the universe? Someone who didn't create the family. Someone who didn't breathe life into our little bodies as we're knit together in our mother's womb. We thank you, Lord. Set the rhythm and pace of our homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said a good amen. Well, it is a rhythm of life that we always put something first. And when we receive the offering at the end of service, it's just a good way to we, we put God first in our finances. And maybe you've never trusted God with your finances, a tenth of your finances. You say, tenth, man, I, I, I can't trust with like 1%, let alone 10%. I invite you to start putting God first somewhere. Began to trust him by saying, God, I'm not going to let materialism own me. I'm not going to let, I'm going I'm to give to you first, Lord, as a sign that you're first in my life. That's setting the rhythm of your schedule and your finances too. I want to tell you that we had record-breaking attendance in the prison venue last Wednesday night. 217 guys in one room. Listen, almost, almost half of the prison was in our church service on Wednesday night. Alvin, get up here fast. That is not fast, man. Come on, let's go, buddy. Let's go. Man, if this were Aaron Rodgers up here saying get up here, you'd be up here. Pastor Alvin's our, our prison venue pastor, and, and I got so many stories back, little notes. Just so thank you so much for the teaching you give. And Pastor Alvin, and Pastor Alvin does little gifts for them every once in a while, set record breakers. You're like, hey, if you invite your friends, invite, like, you know how we invite Fran? Friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors to to uh, to church on Sunday. We, we invite Fran too because they got some of them got relatives in there. Some of them definitely got associates of the wrong kind. Some of them got friends, and they got obviously got neighbors. They got their cellies, and we say, "Hey, invite them." And sure enough, 217 people. And and I'm gonna have you pray over the offering in just a second. But but Pastor Alvin's been leading them. We already had 20 some guys water baptized a few weeks ago. But last Wednesday we had 25 raise a hand and fill out a commitment card for Christ. And that same night, 41 guys were water, Pastor Alvin baptized 41 guys in water. It's crazy. And you know what? We gave them all Krispy Kreme powdered donuts and chocolate milk. They were elated elated afterwards. And I said to him as we were as we were talking, I said, hey, you may have come in this room just because you heard we were giving out donuts and chocolate milk. And I want you to know, we're glad you're here. If all you came for was a donut and milk, we're glad you're here. We're, no strings attached, we wanna show you the love of Jesus. Now, if you'll open your eyes and your ears and your heart, it might be that you may leave with a donut, 
but you might could leave with the bread of life too. And sure enough, like so many guys are being touched by the message of Christ there. That we're able to do those things because you give. We're able to go to Haiti and build bathrooms and give out plates and little wristbands that say your God-given potential is our mission on these little babies. Pictures I saw on the Timber Creek Church Facebook page of kids that don't have anything, but they're sporting their Timber Creek Church sunglasses, you know. Their God-given potential is our mission, whether they're in Haiti or whether they're in the Dieball Correctional Center. When you give, we're able to reach more people. We're able to go further, faster. Alvin, would you pray for this offering? All right, let's pray. God, we come before you today, Lord, thankful for the many, many, many blessings that you have bestowed upon this church. And Lord, that as people open their wallets and they open their checkbooks, and as they write those checks and as they give the money, Father, I pray that you would bless the money exponentially, Father. I pray that it would continue to reach and change lives all across Angelina County and all across this world. Lord, we are thankful to be able to serve at a church that loves people and wants to make a difference in its community. Father, thank you for each person that gives today. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thank you, Alvin. Would you stand but stay where you are? We're going to sing this song. We're going to give and sing as an act of worship. Sound good? Come on, Abby, lead us as we give. I'm just going to speak a blessing over you right now. Father, we just pray right now that everything we've learned today, God, would you just challenge and remind us to not just be hearers today, but to be doers. God, may we as a church apply at least one truth that we learned today so that our lives would better reflect what you want them to be. God, now I pray that you bless every person and keep them. Oh, God, may your face shine upon them. May you be gracious to them, turn your face towards them, oh God, and always give them your peace. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone together said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.